Hey, what up? And welcome to the Water With Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am a fellow 20-something creating this podcast for you, my 20-something friends, or 20-somethings at heart. My hope and prayer is that you walk away from each episode feeling encouraged, challenged, and refreshed in your walk with the Lord. I invite some legit older, wiser women on to help us along this journey and remind us that we will indeed survive. I am pumped that you're here. Hey ladies, welcome back to the podcast and thanks for joining in on this week's episode. This week I am sitting down with my new friend Kristen Weatherell. We got to chat about fear and how to combat fear with truth. I loved getting to chat with Kristen and hearing her heart behind her new book, Fight Your Fears. Something she really pressed into was wearing the armor of God, just like Ephesians 6 talks about, and how to hide truth in your heart. This is such a big topic because we live in a world full of fear and the unknown of what is to come. Kristen speaks so well into the three biggest fears that we have as 20-somethings, and helps us out with some biblical truth. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's get on with it. Well, hey, Kristen, welcome to the Water With Lemon podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Thanks, Emma. I'm really happy to be here Uh, with you. You know, I'm just excited for my listeners to kind of just hear more about you and about what you're up to. And so uh, why don't you tell us, just start us off with a little bit about you and what life looks like for you these days. Happy to. Yeah. So I'm a wife. My husband's name is Brad. He's a campus pastor at one of the campuses of our church, the orchard. Um, we live in Chicagoland right outside the, the big Chi-town. city there. And, um, yeah, exactly. It's it's really funny. Like the traffic is so terrible that we're about 25 minutes from the city, but it takes us an hour and 25 oh, minutes to my get there. <laughs> so I wish they were cooler and easier to yeah. go, but it's not. Um, but we love where we live. We love our church and we are parents to an almost two-year-old, our daughter, Aww. Joanna. And um, so that's a lot of my life is um, staying home with Joanna and, um, writing on the side. So I just kind of, um, find a uh, time that I can within the week, whether it's on the front end of nap time when my brain is still right. relatively fresh, <laughs> um, or, you know, my, my, um, my mom and my mother-in-law are both local. So that's a huge blessing because they'll get kind of built in grandma time with her while I yeah, sneak away that's for a little amazing. bit to write. So yeah, so it's amazing. It's a huge privilege for sure to have them so close. And so a lot of my week is spent running after <laughs> Joanna and napping when I can, because she tuckers me out oh, in the bet. best way. And, um, yeah. And then getting to, you know, serve the Lord with writing oh, that's as well. So cool. I love it. You know, something that I was thinking about that I'm really interested in, you know, I've grown up down in Texas for my whole life. So I've been in the Bible Belt, and I've always just been very interested in the the cultural church differences in being more up north mm. and then being down here, and and so I just wanted to ask yeah. you, like, so my my idea, I don't actually know that this is true or not, but my idea in my head is like, if you're going to church in the north, it's because you actually went to follow Jesus. You're not just showing up as like a cultural, like, I feel like I should go. Or do you see that up there? 
Interesting. Interesting. We, I mean, we do see it because that is going to be some of the church going population anywhere, I believe. But I would, I would think that you're right in that, um, you know, the church going routine is not as cultural here as it would be in the Bible Belt. Like you don't see huge mega churches up north as much, right? Well, we do have a few big ones up here, um, but I, I would say like our challenge is at least in suburban Midwest. You know, I've never lived in the country. I've pretty much always uh-huh. lived in the suburbs, and in the suburban Midwest, the big challenge is mm-hmm. apathy. People are, they think they're okay because they have everything that they think okay. they need. You know, a lot of people are well off. It's a lot of middle and upper class, at least where we live. Um, And so people just don't think Mm. that they need anything. And so I think you're correct. I don't think the majority of people um, who aren't believers, you know, feel like they should be going to church. I don't think they feel that way. They just end up staying home and Sunday is, you know, a family day or whatever. But it's a huge part of our mission field, too, because um, these are the people I interact with right. at the park, yes, you know, these people I, yeah, there are my neighbors and I want them to know the Lord. So it's always an interesting question of, you know, how, how to love them well and how to um, bring Christ into the conversation because it's tough when people don't think right. they need anything. Yeah. That's, no, that it totally sense. does. You know, being, in a place where, yeah, your let's say your physical needs are met, and in a world where we are so, uh, you know, just interested in our worldly possessions, the things that we have, uh, mm-hmm. it can be easy to be like, oh, well, I have all that I need. I don't have a need for Jesus, right? So, people who maybe right. are lacking in some of those things and ha- need hope or need something to hang on to, maybe are more likely to be interested in following Jesus. So yeah, that's hard. That's yeah. super hard, but I've always been mm-hmm. interested in just like the dynamics of a great you know the differences in the Bible belt versus more up north and and how you know maybe it would be it's such a mission field here too though is like oh man there's so many people who are showing up that know about Jesus but it's not something that has changed their life or changed their heart. It's just something that's in their head right? Uh, and their life is not an overflow of that, you know? Um, right. But it's oh, just, yeah. it's just interesting to me um, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to think mm-hmm. about that and to even try to center my heart around praying for, cause we, we tend to just pray. I feel like for just the lost in general um, and, and thinking about the lost, we think more about people who, have no ties to church whatsoever, aren't going, um, that are, you know, have never been, but there's also a group of lost people that are showing up to our church, uh, that maybe think that they, uh, are believers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not like nominal Christians, Christian in name only and huge opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's total, total side tangent, but it's just something that's been interesting. I love it. Um, but I'd love to ask you about your twenties because this is a podcast for mainly ladies in their twenties. So let's talk about what life was like for you in your twenties. Like what was really good? What was hard for you? Tell me all about it. 
Sure. So to give the listeners some context, I am going to be 31 yeah, so in you're September. Just right outside. So I was I was figuring that you were right outside. Far outside of that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, people would give me a hard time about turning thirty, and I thought this is the best. Thirty is great. Don't don't talk about that yeah. that way. It's great, but your twenties are great too. And so when I was reflecting on my twenties, um, I actually did this in my journal when I turned thirty. Oh, so it was interesting, cool. like looking through that and mm-hmm. thinking about that. Um, I would I would describe my twenties as a decade of oh, change sure. that taught me humility. <laughs> So I thought I knew exactly what I was going to do um, vocationally. I thought I knew who I was going to marry. So I graduated from uh, the music theater program at Illinois Wesleyan University, and I moved straight to New York City after graduation because I wanted to do theater. I wanted Mm -hmm. to do musicals. And, um, you know, I went to college for it because people said I was good enough to make it. It's really hard to make it, especially as a like brunette female. There are so many brunette females. (laughs) Out there. Um, and so I went for it and thought I knew what the plan would be. And it was completely the opposite of what I thought it would be. And I, um, struggled to get work. I was, you know, working four to five jobs at a time, very part-time obviously, but just trying to make ends meet. So I couldn't really enjoy the city that I lived in. Um, you know, I was up at 4 a.m. to try and be the first ones at oh, the auditions man. because I wasn't anyone yet. And so you just kind of have to get in line. And um, it was a very difficult mm. lifestyle. So not only did I not get any work in the field that I wanted to get work in, but some really bad chronic pain started that year. And so this would have been aged like 22, 23 And, um, my health completely declined that year that I was in New York and nobody could figure it out. Um, and so my first like dose of humility was not getting work, my health declining, and then breaking up with the guy who I thought I was going to (laughs) marry. And, and then that first dose of humility came when I ended up moving back home because, I really did not like where I was. I would venture to say I hated where I was (laughs) and, um, the urban lifestyle was not for me and I didn't feel well. So I was in a really, um, humble and broken place before the Lord. I loved him and I wanted to follow him, but nothing made sense to me. Everything that I thought I was going to be good at or that would work out Mm -hmm. didn't. So I ended up moving home when I was 23 and had no idea what would happen next. Um, and God was very, very good to me. I, you know, it it took me a few months to get work, but after about three months of applying for work, I got a job at our church. So that's how I got connected to the orchard. And I had always loved ministry. My roommate and I led a Bible study, um, for theater students in college. So I knew that I loved the Bible. I loved teaching the Bible and, um, the local church. So I got this job at the orchard and that's where I met my husband And so a bunch of change happened, you know, this path that I thought I was going down, this performing arts path wasn't it at all. And while I still see how God is using parts of that skill set to this day, um, I'm in a totally different life than I ever thought I would be. Um, So I think the Lord really used my 20s to humble me 
amid a lot of change. Um, and then to give you a little more background, so Brad and I got married when I was 25, and then I was diagnosed with Lyme disease when I was 26. Oh, wow. So we got married, and then I discovered through another specialty doctor that this pain I was dealing with was rooted in Lyme mm. disease. And I began treatment for the next two years. So a big chunk of my life then, um, you know, was humbling because I was like physically so depleted and the doctor told us to not pursue starting a family because I was so sick. And so a lot of stuff was on hold. Um, but you know, at that time in the midst of a lot of weakness, the Lord was really kind and in his providence, he opened doors to, to start writing. And that's how that kind of got started. I had kept a blog and was doing that while I was in New York, but he really opened doors like for some article writing. And, um, while I was being treated for Lyme, he opened the door for uh, my friend Sarah and I to publish our book, hope when it hurts. And so I saw the Lord, you know, using this pain and this suffering, this unexpected trial um, to encourage other people who are going through similar things. And I was very thankful for that, knowing that he was working through it in that way. Um, so fast forward a little bit, I finally got cleared to pursue starting a family. I think that was like age 28 or something. And we moved to our new campus of our church. We moved to a new house. We had Joanna. So it was just a ton of change, a lot of change. Um, Yeah. And then the last year has just been, what does it look like to be a faithful mom who, you know, keeps my sights on Jesus and, um, a faithful writer who, you know, is faithful to the word and to Christ. And so it's been a lot. When I look back, Emma, at the beginning of my twenties, I'm kind of astounded at how different my life is. And then I'm astounded at God's Mm -hmm. wisdom, you know, and doing what he does so perfectly because, I could not have planned that for myself, you know? He's so good. He's yeah, so I feel good. Like a lot of people's stories are like that, where they look back, you know, even five, 10 years and go, man, I never would have pictured that I would be here right now, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, because you were, your life was set on, I'm going to do musicals. Like, this is going to be my life. You studied it for several years and then ventured out to do it and were encouraged in that way. And then, it didn't happen. Right. And so, uh, and then definitely not expecting that diagnosis, I'm sure, you know, so with that, you, you had been having pain for years before that, right. Before even being diagnosed. Right. Yeah. I think I'm trying to think I, I, had a surgery, which like my, my version of the story is that the surgery kind of set off the Lyme disease. I think it was already in my system. So, that would have been Oh nine. So I think it had been six years of pain and trying to find a wow. solution. Um, I think I saw eight specialists and nobody was able really? to help until I saw my Lyme literate doctor. Yeah. Yes. Is it that hard to diagnose? Lyme is hard to diagnose. Um, I won't get into it cause we could probably do a whole episode on Lyme right. disease, but <laughs> we don't want to do that, but it's, it's a very, um, sly and smart bacteria and it hides itself rather than staying in the bloodstream. It'll hide itself in muscle fibers. So it's blood work. Um, it's, it's not the easiest thing to reveal it within blood work. Yeah. So it's hard to diagnose. Which usually it's like, man, blood work is amazing because you can 
find out so much in just like a little bit, you know, Everything. which so that's totally. crazy that, mm-hmm. that it's hard to do uh, with that. But right. wow. anyways, that is so crazy. And so, but now you're okay, right? Like you've been able to treat it well. Yeah, it's treated. And, um, I, you know, my doctor is of the opinion, there are different opinions that you, you know, the Lyme is kind of like mono in that you always kind of have the strain sure. in your body. And so it can reactivate, but as long as your immune system is strong and, and can kind of fight it and keep it at bay, then you're good to go. And, and my symptoms are gone. So yeah, we're feeling very positive okay, about it. Awesome. And so right now, yeah. uh, or so you released a book with Sarah, right? Hope when it hurts. That was, was that, right. what year was that, that you released it? That would have been about two years okay. ago, twenty seventeen. Yeah, and then now you're working on mm-hmm. fight your fears. Yeah, I am. I just, I just finished it up. I just sent in the final. <gasps> oh my edit, gosh, so that's I'm so excited exciting! Wow. So yeah. tell me about that a little bit. Like, what has that journey been like of writing it? Like, what kind of um, prompted you to write it? Sure. Having a baby prompted me to write mm-hmm. it in the final sense. I mean, I'm a very fearful person. I think we all are to some degree. I think some personalities are more fearful than others. Um, so I found, you know, with my Lyme disease and going through that trial, definitely fear related to that. But when Joanna was born, when I found out I was pregnant and then when she was born, oh my, the fear, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's something about adding a little person to your world that exacerbates fear. And I was just struggling to know how to deal with it. And we hear so many messages from the world that are about being brave, which is basically looking within yourself um, for the strength to fight fear. And um, even messages, you know, from well-meaning Christians that I don't think are entirely helpful messages like, um, you know, your goal is to be fearless and and Jesus can help you do that, which isn't altogether untrue, but isn't altogether true. So I just, I went on this quest to know, um, you know, what, what does the Bible say about fear and what is a practical, but biblical way to actually fight fear when it arises. And that's how this project got going. Um, and so the book itself is about learning to trust God's character and promises when we're afraid. Which is often because there's so much to be afraid of. And um, the book takes us through 10 of God's promises that counter 10 of our most common fears, which I'm sure we'll talk about a few of those in this episode, but I'm sure I could have, you know, chosen 30 different fears, but I try to choose like the most common fears. Um, And my hope for the book is that, is that Jesus will use his word to give fearful people his perspective and his power through the spirit to fight their fears. Um, yeah. Scripture calls itself the sword of the spirit and it's the means by which we fight lies with truth. And, um, and so that's what I'm hoping this, this book will help people to do. Yeah. That's awesome. And I was talking to you a little bit, uh, before this, but in saying that I am a six on the Enneagram and sixes are the loyalists. They, you know, are, you know, hold on to their friends um, and to their people. 
but our kind of downfall is the fact that we are always thinking about worst case scenarios and fear and anxiety often uh, control us. So um, Mm, this is a big one. And so for me, like I have seen how fear and anxiety have taken over my life since I was really little, like from Mm -hmm. the womb, like there, it's just the brokenness of this world and how even from like the very beginning, I can picture vivid memories of being eight, nine, you know, and just like crippled by fear. Uh, Hmm. And, and that's like one of the biggest downfall. And the thing about the Enneagram is that like you have always been your number. Like it's not a personality test for kind of what you are right now. Like you've always been that way. And it, it is more about your motivations for things. So like, I can see how in my whole life I've been, um, trying to fight fear. Uh, and the funny thing is, is that Mm -hmm. if, you know, when people meet me are like, what really? Like, how does anxiety cripple you? Because I'm so just like, go with the flow and fun and life of the party. Um, but underneath fear definitely like controls a lot of my thoughts and my motivations and things like that. So, um, it's been really interesting to just like read about that. Um, and to know Mm. kind of where that comes from, uh, and how, how it does motivate some of my actions and thoughts and things like that. So I like that you use the word motivate because fear, um, fear can hold us back in some ways, but it can also motivate us Mm -hmm. in other ways, in good ways and in not so good ways. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, Right. So true. And so let's talk about some of those fears that, you know, specific to 20 somethings, but it could relate to all around, but just fears that you think hold us back. Yeah. I was thinking through this and I think all the fears that I touch on in the book probably apply, but I narrowed it down to three that I think affected me the most when I was in my twenties. The primary one being the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Like, what if I stink at this? What if I stink at theater? And I did kind of. (laughs) It's okay. I did. That was just my reality. You know, what if the path I always thought I'd follow isn't the one for me? Um, That's also kind of an issue of like identity, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And this one, the question that I thought here kind of ties into a different fear. But what if I'm not successful in people's eyes? Mm. And I think that's huge when we're in our 20s and we're out of school, whether or not we go to school or starting a trade, and we feel like, I have to start out on a good foot here because this is important. This is setting a foundation for the rest of my life. And um, there was a lot of a lot of fear of failure, but honestly, when I ended up moving back home, which to me at first felt like a failure, like I failed. I didn't do what I set out to do. Um, God was so kind to me because he showed me who I am, my identity in Christ as a justified saint. And that can never be taken from me. Like that is, that is a sign sealed, delivered, um, declaration of who I am. And I think that's really encouraging for people in their twenties who are afraid of failing. Um, you probably will fail in terms of like 
you know, falling on your face and, um, maybe not being successful in the world's eyes, Mm -hmm. but God is sovereign. So he's in control over everything. And somehow in a grand mystery, um, God's being in control works with our responsibility. So he's, he's going to use everything Mm -hmm. and he's in control of it. Um, but when we're in Christ, nothing can shake us. We are accepted in God's sight, and that's the final verdict, period. And so that's hugely encouraging. Another one that I thought about, Emma, was the fear of loneliness. Mm-hmm. I remember in my 20s wondering, um, what if I never find the person I'm going to marry? I thought that I had, and then that fell through my hands like sand. So what now? And um, I think there's a a promise from God that we can hold on to, which I expound upon in the book is God's promise in Hebrews 13, five, that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And that is a sure promise in Christ because Christ was forsaken at the cross by his father. Um, He was because he bore our sin and the father turned his face away, but he did that so that we would know we're never alone so that we would know God is always for us and with us. Um, And that was hugely encouraging to me when I moved back home and felt like I was starting over, you know, no, no boyfriend, no prospects (laughs) living in my parents' house, which I love if of all places, if I could live in their house, it was the best, the best, but um, you know, it's hard when you feel lonely. Um, And that, that was a huge uh, bomb for my soul to know that. God had promised to never leave me and I could trust him with that. Um, and then finally, the last one I thought of, which is not exhaustive is the fear of man. Mm-hmm. So like the question I mentioned earlier, what if I'm not successful in people's eyes, but, um, what does my boss think of me? What do my friends think of me? What do my neighbors think of me? Yeah. <laughs> what will people say if I don't follow the crowd, what will they think of my faith? in Christ, um, coming out of college away from our parents, you know, our, our faith following Christ on our own is kind of a new season for us in our early twenties. And I think the fear of man regarding, um, following Christ as well as all other aspects of our lives, vocation relationships. I think that's, that's a big one too. Yes. Oh, those are all good ones. And I'm the whole time I've been like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all of Recognize it. Yes. But it's also cool because even those, even though those are fears that are so prominent in our twenties, I think that through that, the Lord teaches us so much about how the, how those fears don't have to have a hold. So you know, there are periods where we're dealing with loneliness. Well, that's when he comes in and teaches you, like, I'm all you need um, and you're not right. alone. Or whenever we're scared of failure, we fail. And then we realize, okay, like, the Lord has it. And yeah, I am a failure. <laughs> but, I, but I did not, I did not die. I did not, I did die. not die. I'm alive. And I'm okay. <laughs> and he still loves me. And <laughs> I may be a failure because I'm living here on this earth and it's going to happen. But like, I know who I am in Christ as well. Uh, right. And yes. so through all of those fears that are so prominent, I think that he teaches us so much. It just kind of sucks for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you're going through the yeah. trenches. And that's why, 
Yeah. Well, and I was thinking too about like the importance and blessing of finding a local church because um, you walk through all of this with brothers and sisters in Christ who love him, love his word and love you. And so um, that's actually a great remedy to loneliness is to plug into a local church. Mm -hmm. And that was huge for me when I felt like I was just kind of floating through life for a while. Um, I was at a few local churches um, based on where I was living at the time, but such a blessing to my soul to sit under the preaching of God's word, to meet with older, wiser believers and learn from them. Um, So I would encourage our friends to, to do that if they're not already get involved in a church, because you're going to learn a lot about who Jesus is and a lot from other people. Totally. Yeah. Importance of community. I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast definitely before, but especially with fighting fear, like don't fight that alone. Like be, confess those fears to people because the more we keep them to ourselves, the more the enemy has room in those fears. Right. Right. Yeah. I think fear loses its power in a lot of ways when we put it to words and um, whether that's, you know, writing it down, journaling it or praying about it or talking to someone about it. I think it loses a lot of its power. For sure. So what would you say, like just encouragement for us in our twenties right now, it could just be in general um, or specifically like fighting fear in order to, trust God? Like what, what specific encouragement do you have for us? The whole book is, is full of encouragements, but I was thinking about how to, how to narrow it down, how to be a little more general with it. And, um, I wanted to share Psalm 56, three, which is the verse that I start the book with. And it says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So not if I am afraid, mm-hmm. but when, when I when I am afraid, I put my trust in God. So putting our trust in God, um, we need to do it because we are going to be afraid. But putting our trust in Him isn't a one-time act. It's a continual posture of coming to Jesus with our fears. Um, that's something that's been so encouraging for me in writing the book and learning from God through His Word is that um, this posture of dependence is kind of like muscle memory. So the more we fight our fears by bringing them to Jesus, the more we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so fighting our fears isn't necessarily about becoming fearless, but about knowing who to go to with them, with our fears. Mm. Um, So three encouragements based on that. Um, Fight your fears with God's word. So I think it's important, like we were just talking about, Emma, to name your fears. So figure out what your fears are, first of all. Write them down. Pray about them. Talk to someone you trust about them. Um, But don't stay there. Open your Bible. And we mentioned earlier, Ephesians 6, 17, um, God calls his word the sword of the spirit. And a lot of our fears are rooted in lies, and we know that God's word is truth. Mm-hmm. So when you are afraid, and you will be afraid at some point, open your Bible because God will use his word of truth to reveal himself to you, to reveal to you what's in your own heart, and to renew your mind with the truth. And all of these things are going to help you fight fear. So that's what every chapter of the book is about. It's 
looking at God's word because it's the sword of the spirit that we wield against our fears and we fight and we meditate on God's word. We think about it. We pray about it. Um, and God uses his word to change us and to sharpen us. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Another encouragement would be uh, touching on what we talked about just now with the local church. So fight your fears by talking with people who've gone before you. Um, there is nothing new under the sun. So we can learn from people who've gone ahead of us, who've been through similar life stages and situations and have learned what it looks like to trust God in the midst of fearful circumstances. I've gained invaluable insight from older women who've been fighting fear for longer than I have and who've grown closer to Jesus in the process. A lot of these women are moms who either have older kids or who are empty nesters at this point. And um, a lot of my fears related to kids and Joanna, they have helped draw out, um, expose for, you know, the lies that they are, or if there are any, um, any untruths about God that I've been believing, they've helped expose that in my heart. So the local church is a wonderful place to seek wisdom from godly people who've seen God's faithfulness and his provision in various contexts. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage, I would encourage 20 somethings to get together with people who have been there. And that will be a huge comfort to your heart as you walk through your own season and um, are fighting fears related to it. Um, And then the last one, which is the most important, and it's what I hope the, um, the book, you know, really holds up as the most important truth. Fight your fears by seeking to know and love and fear Jesus not to be fearless. So our goal is not necessarily to be fearless, but to fear Jesus. Um, Mm. I think it's defeating for Christians to expect that they should get to a place of feeling fearless in this life. And it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. That's not to say that Christ, by the power of his spirit, can't free us from certain fears. He is able And he is powerful and he works that way, certainly um, in specific instances. But generally, the Christian life is a gradual um, pursuit to be like Christ and to love him. And so we're going to make like baby steps in our fight against fear, generally speaking. And I think that's really encouraging for people who can feel defeated when they're like, ah, I just keep, I'm just so afraid and I just can't shake this fear. Like, what is wrong with me? Well, your goal isn't to be fearless. It's to know and love and fear Jesus. And so when you're afraid, go to him. It's that muscle memory that we were talking about earlier. Go to him with your fears. Trust him. That's what it looks like to trust him is to go to him. Um, I think we need to be on guard against self-help strategies that encourage us to look within ourselves or even strategies that view Jesus as kind of a self-help guru who exists Mm -hmm. to solve our problems. Um, Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the end. He is the goal. And I love um, Psalm 130 verses three to four. I'll read that for us. It says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So Jesus created us to know him and walk closely with him, but we chose our own way 
and, and fell into sin. And a restored relationship to the Father is what Jesus died to purchase for us. So with Jesus, there is forgiveness. But why? What's the end? That he may be feared. And so that's the whole goal of our lives. And it's it's what we'll be doing for eternity. We'll be fearing Jesus, uh, revering him with awe and worship and love. That's what it means to fear him. So I think the best question when we're afraid is to ask, who is Jesus whom the Bible tells me to fear? Who is he? And then to go to your Bible and find out because it tells us who he is. Um, that's Those are probably the encouragements that I would give to people. Our, our problem with fear isn't that we're too afraid, but that we aren't afraid enough of the one who's worthy to be feared. And so as we go to Jesus and know him and learn to fear him, um, as we see him for who he is, all of our lesser fears are going to be put into their place. Mm-hmm. Mm, so true. I especially loved how you talked about instead of feeling like your fear is defeating you or just in general feeling defeated in the fact that you have fears, like there's totally this, maybe it is just like a totally total worldly thing that tells us we have to be like completely fearless and comparing ourselves to people who who uh, their personality does display more fearlessness um but instead taking that as an opportunity to say because I have fear like that just increases my need for Jesus more so instead of being like crippled by it knowing that it's like a sign of I'm human. I have fears, but like that just points to my need for the Lord and like looking to his person and, and what the word says about him. Um, that's such a good perspective. I love that. And just, it just changes so many things, you know, for, for who we are and, um, just understanding that, that fear doesn't have to be something one that controls, um, two that just, again, points to our need for him instead of letting Mm -hmm. it defeat us or think that we're somehow, um, you know, wrong or there's something wrong with us, which is true. There is something wrong with us. That's our sin. And, and it points us to Jesus, but just, I think it can be easy to compare and say, oh man, well, like, why am I always fearful in this moment? And no one else is, um, or just like comparing, Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to friends since since talking about um, my Enneagram number, about situations where, you know, I'm like, I always know where the exit is. Like in any mm-hmm. room I walk into, I'm not right. I'm not I'm not crippled by that. It's just something that I am constant. I think about it's just like second nature. I'm like, if I need mm-hmm. to leave this room, where is that going to be? And it's not something right. that's like consuming or anything or like. I'm not always like on edge, like, oh my gosh, where's the exit SOS, you know, but it's just something that my brain does. Like I just, an automatic and, and people are like, what? (laughs) Like, that's so ridiculous. Like you're fine. I'm like, I know I am fine, but that's what my brain does. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm lesser than or something because of that. Um, Right. Yeah. I'm actually really glad that you brought that up, Emma, because I I talk a little bit about this in the book, but it's worth sharing right now. I think when we talk about fear, the question arises, like, is all fear bad? Like you're mentioning, Mm -hmm. is it 
is it necessarily like not a good thing when I go into public places in the day and age of, you know, public terror and all these horrible things that go on to feel like I'm looking for the exit. I do the same thing, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You Um, can be a six. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I don't think there's necessarily like a clear cut answer or, or clear line, but there is such a thing as natural fear that God gave us. That's his mercy. So when, when the world was broken because of sin, you know, it was God's kindness actually to make us aware of the things that could cause harm. And so I think we should distinguish that from, um, a fear or a degree of fear that would leave us like paralyzed. Like, I think it might be something different if you'd never leave your house because, (laughs) Right. You're That's worried different. about something bad happening to you. You know, yeah. so I think there is something. Why do we lock our doors at night? It's just it's just a natural fear against yeah. intruders. And I think that's that's God's mercy. Yeah. That's his protection. Yeah. Exactly. If we weren't, I mean, I think that would be concerning. <laughs> There's like yeah. two ends of the spectrum. Like if you have absolutely no fear, um, there could be problems. But like if you have too much fear and can't leave your house, again problems but there is like a healthy fear right it's okay to have those as long as you direct them to jesus um knowing Mm -hmm. and understanding your need for him so i love it and i love the scriptures that you shared um the first one psalm 56 3 that's one i've been listening to this playlist um have you heard of the dwell app by any chance yes i love it yeah so i'm actually uh i actually did um you know, some ads with them, uh, at the beginning of this series, but, uh, I've been listening to a playlist by them. It's the peaceful night playlist. And I play it like before I go to bed and Psalm 56, three is in there. It literally Mm -hmm. just plays probably, you know, three minutes of scripture, um, different, you know, random verses before you go to bed, but it is so cool. And that's one of them. Um, and it's, it's cool how like, even as I'm in a state of like half asleep and, and listening to those, how I'm able to, I'm like memorizing them and just, you know, Mm. listening to them for a couple minutes a night. Um, but that's one of them that's been really cool just to like hide that in my heart, you know, um, yeah, Yeah, because that is something that I struggle with, but, um, yeah, Mm. thank you just for, um, talking with us more about that. And I'm excited for your book and uh, to be able to kind of read more about it. Um, But we've made it to our last three questions. And these are questions that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. So I'm excited to hear your answers. But uh, the first one is what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? Yeah, this is a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) That is everyone's reaction. They're like, just uh, one. (laughs) I was honestly, I was struggling to think of like, I was struggling to think of one. I think it's because maybe it feels like a long time ago, even though it really isn't. I don't know what it is, but after racking my brain about it, I think the importance of practicing gratitude to the Lord Mm. I think in our 20s, it's really easy. I mean, it's always easy to fall into this. But in our 20s, when we're trying to figure out so much of life, I think it's easy for us to be discontent and to think that the only acts of faithfulness that matter are the great ones. 
rather than attributing all things to God's glory, even the smallest and most private acts of, of faithfulness. So I think, especially reflecting upon my years, single and in New York, it was really miserable in a lot of ways. And I think if I had um, asked God for help to see all of his kindness to me, to see his new morning mercies, and then to be grateful, um, I think that would have changed my attitude. (laughs) Um, That's so true. So, yeah, I would encourage listeners to, um, God sees you. He sees all that you're doing and he sees even the smallest acts of faithfulness. And when, when you do it to his glory, it matters. Mm -hmm. And so you can be grateful and you can be content. And, um, I was actually reading Psalm 63 this morning in my reading plan. It's one of my favorites, but I was so struck by all the references to praising God in the Psalm. And so I'll just read two verses because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Not because things are going well for me, not because I have a great job or because tomorrow is all figured out, but because your love is better than life. Mm. My lips will praise you. Mm. And then verse five, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. My soul will be satisfied. And so if we're following Christ, we are satisfied. He's all that we need. And um, I wish I had known that more (laughs) in my 20s. Just to meditate on that, um, even when it doesn't feel, even in the moments where it doesn't feel great, um, or you or you are doubting God, uh, bringing those to Him, and being able to just stand on that truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Um, what are you like reading, listening to, and/or watching these days? Yeah, I'm a bigger reader than I am listener or watcher, but <laughs> I, do do, I do do a little of the latter two as well. Um, so I'm slowly, emphasis on slowly going through my Bible reading plan. I had lofty ambitions to like read the Bible, you know, in a year, every year, of no. course. <laughs> slowly, but I love my reading plan. Um, so I do that every morning and then Right now, I, I'm a big reader, so I'm usually reading anywhere from like two to five books at a time. <laughs> it, gets, yes. it gets a little tricky once I surpass like three books. <laughs> yes. But I'm reading a lot that I'm really enjoying. Um, Gloria Furman's new book, Labor with Hope. Mm. And I've been reading Entrusted with a Child's Heart for like the last year. It's a pretty thick book, so I'm just kind of slowly making my way through that. Um. And then I just read a really interesting narrative history by Eric Larson called In the Garden of Beasts. He wrote Devil in the White City, if you're familiar with that, and oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Dead Wake. He's this amazing biographer, but his style is narrative history. So it's history, but it reads like a book, like a story. I love that. Yes. And it's so phenomenal. So this one is about pre-World War II. Um, so if any of your listeners are into that kind of a thing, check out Eric Larson. He's so good. I could not put it down. So that's what I've been reading. Just fun stuff mixed with stuff for my soul. Um, 
And then I, in terms of like listening, I don't really listen to podcasts as much anymore because I have a little baby in the car with me and she is not keen on that. So, right. <laughs> like, you know, mama, Raffi, or she wants to listen to music. So I, <laughs> it's very rare that I get to listen, but I do love risen motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love Nancy Guthrie's help me teach the Bible podcast and unlocking the Bible, which is, um, our senior pastor. Colin Smith. So okay. I actually worked, worked for that ministry for five years. So that's dear to my heart, but I learn so much from him and I love cool. listening to him. And then in terms of shows, um, we don't really watch a ton of shows. We actually just got rid of Netflix cause it was, it's just a time sucker. <laughs> and, um, and we were just like, we need to exercise self-control and, and just get rid of this thing. So I think our, our big thing is like movie nights when we have date nights. Um, we'll, try and find a movie and watch that. Um, Mm -hmm. but we're really terrible at choosing movies. So we'll waste about 30 minutes looking for movies. And then because we're grandparents, it's like almost time for right. (laughs) (laughs) You like sit down with your like pizza or whatever. You're like, Oh, we're going to like have dinner and watch a movie. And then you're done with dinner by the time you've actually asleep. Exactly. So if you have any suggestions for movies, we're all ears. I feel like there aren't very many good movies anymore. So I know. I, I like. However, <laughs> I've found some good ones on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you guys have. Yeah, Amazon we Prime. do. I mean, it 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 rules the world. So like, who doesn't have Amazon Prime nowadays? Um, yeah, I need suggestions. We waste yeah. time looking. Um, I don't know. This is something that has always interested me, but uh, there's one on there uh, that was really impactful that I've watched this summer. It's called Beautiful Boy. Um, and we it, watched that one. Oh, you yeah. did? Okay, yeah. yeah. And then there's another one that is very similar that has uh, Julia Roberts in it. I'm trying to think of the name of it right ben now. Ben is back. Yes. Have you watched both of those? We've watched both of those. I think they're <laughs> like, there's nothing else good. We're done. <laughs> no, those were actually okay, very. I have nothing for you. <laughs> those were very. Um, those were very difficult for me to watch. Those were very, very. heart heart wrenching movies about a terrible reality yes. in our in our world. Um, and I just don't think it's talked about a lot. Just you know, I no, you know, it's not yeah. something that hits home for me. But I'm sure so many families all over who have you know, had kiddos that, um, struggle with addiction like that. And so I think it was probably very impactful for them, but also, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily helpful for them, but just to know like that people are talking about it and for sure relating in that fact. So, um, but if I think of any others that you haven't already watched, then (laughs) (laughs) but I've been watching a lot of movies this summer because I'm bored. So (laughs) while also reading like five books, um, but that's what I love about summertime is getting to do that. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Okay. Lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Like anything that is just absolutely giving you life. Yeah. Um, lots of things. My three are, uh, mornings when Joanna sleeps in and I have a little more time in, in the word. She is a really early riser like we are. Um, and that's great because I love her to death. And so I love getting her up in the morning, but there is something refreshing about not feeling like rushed through my reading, feeling like I can linger a little bit in the word. So that's very life-giving for me. And then, 
exercising. So with my Lyme disease, I spent a long season of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, of being sedentary. I was not super active mm-hmm. because I couldn't be. Yeah. And I am loving exercising again. I, I'm a lap swimmer, so I do that once a week. And oh, then, yeah. And then I, um, I'm kind of getting back into like weightlifting and, um, floor exercises and, uh, cycling. And it's been so refreshing. Like I forgot how much I loved doing that before I got sick. So really thankful for that. And then finally naps. I love taking naps. <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> yeah. So I, my, my little girl laughs because I tell her, Joanna, when you go down for a nap, mommy goes down for a nap and she thinks it's so funny, but it's the best because my afternoon with her is so much better. If I can just close my eyes for 20 minutes. Um, and it's refreshing for me. Great. Yes. Oh, I bet. There's nothing like a really good workout and a really good nap. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. They both, they do so much to the soul. That is so true. Yeah. God, God gives us many good gifts mm-hmm. and um, endorphins and naps are two of them. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for coming on. I I'm super appreciative of just your wisdom in this and, and that you're writing about it. Um, I'm just so thankful and, and we appreciate you coming on and helping your sisters out. Thanks, Emma, for your time. It's been a joy. Ladies of the world, thank you for listening in today. And I pray that during this season of the unknown, you see that we have a good and merciful God who will never forsake us. I think it's so important that we continue to seek God's word uh, so we may not fear of what is to come. I really encourage you to check out Kristen's book, Fight Your Fears, and see how to combat fear with what God says in the Bible. Jesus is the goal, and we need to focus on our maker because we should not root our hearts in fear but give our fears to him. Also, check out our new merch. We've got sweatshirts and stickers out in the shop on our website. I'm seriously obsessed with my sweatshirt. It's comfort colors, so, like, obviously it's amazing. Thank you for listening in today, and I would love if you'd share this episode with a friend and write a quick review, give the podcast a rating, all the things, because it helps so much with iTunes algorithms. Anywho, love y'all bunches and grateful for the support each week. See you back next week. Stay fresh, my people.